Amen, amen. Thank you, ladies and Philip. Let's bow together. Father, how grateful we are uh, for the opportunity just to come and to listen uh, to your word. So speak to us and help us to grow in our walks with you. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Well, this morning I want to talk to you about authentic repentance. Authentic repentance. You know, you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, are actually missionaries with a called purpose from the Lord. Let me just ask you, if you're a follower of Jesus, slip your hand up real quick. All across the room, guess what? Now put them down. All of you who had your hands raised, you're actually a missionary. So as soon as you came to faith in Jesus Christ, you joined a worldwide enterprise started by the Lord Jesus Christ through His death, burial, and resurrection and birthed by the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. So now that you're a part of the church, you're an ambassador who's called by the Lord Jesus Christ to be salt and light into our particular culture. We are to bring the light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, penetrating the darkness so that others might see the glory of our Father in the face of Jesus. So that is a biblical mandate for every single follower of Christ. Now, with that in mind, all of us are missionaries, so we've got to learn our context. We've got to learn our culture so that we can be effective missionaries. You know, I'm personally reading uh, the life of Hudson Taylor right now. Hudson Taylor was actually a missionary over into China, and it's amazing all of the steps that he took just in preparation to enter into that particular area, which had never heard the gospel before. I thought about Hudson Taylor and some of the things that he was doing in preparation to be effective in sharing Jesus. And I thought we should be the exact same way. We need to get to know our culture so that we are effective as Jesus' missionaries in sharing the good news of Christ. Now, it's very important that you and I kind of become students of our culture. And as we mentioned last week, the majority of the people who live around us actually think that they are good enough to enter into heaven. We know this because whenever we go and share the gospel with them and ask them, if you were to die now, where do you feel like you'd spend eternity? They say, heaven. And whenever you respond and say, well, why are you so confident in that? They say, because I'm a pretty good person. Now, it's interesting because when I run into people like this, I immediately begin to share Jesus with them. So I show them their sin in light of a holy God. And then I began to unwrap, so to speak, the glory of what Jesus Christ has done for them in dying on the cross, being buried and resurrected. But as soon as I begin to talk about Jesus, it is amazing. They typically cut me off. And they say, oh, yeah, 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 don't wait a minute. I, I actually know that. Uh, I believe what you're saying. I believe in Jesus. I've been going to church all my life. Now, the interesting thing is that there is a confusion about the gospel. And the confusion comes because a person who is a genuine follower of Christ would never think for one moment that they were good enough to go to heaven. So what is happening here is that people are not responding to the biblical gospel and they are missing a very important component in hearing the gospel and responding to it. I would also venture to say that we, all right, you and I as missionaries, had probably not done an adequate job at sharing the biblical gospel. The biblical gospel includes repentance and faith. Repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin. They come together. So whenever we begin to share the gospel, we have to share about repentance. And so the real question is, what exactly is repentance? 
Now, we talked about this uh, the last two services, and I'm going to get you to do something with me. All right, y'all with me? Say yes. So here's what I want you to do so you can remember what authentic repentance is. Uh, first of all, authentic repentance is a change of mind. Can y'all just point at your brains for a moment? Uh, if you can't find it, ask your neighbor. All right. So it's a change of mind. You can put your hand down. It's a change of mind in the sense that you change your mind about who God is. He is holy. And you change your mind about who you are. You are sinful. So it is a change of mind to begin with. You know what I'm finding in our culture? Most people overestimate their goodness and they underestimate God's holiness. And as long as you are overestimating your goodness and underestimating God's holiness, you will never admit that you're a sinner. But whenever repentance really does touch your life, it'll be a change in your mind where you see God as holy and finally have the opportunity to see your sin as exceedingly sinful. So it's not only a change of mind. Here's the second thing you need to do. It is a change of your heart. All right, everybody grab your heart real quick all across the room. We're going to do head, shoulders, knees, and toes if you don't do it. All right. So the reason I tell you to grab your heart is it speaks about a change of emotion. All right, a change of emotion. You put your hands down. And the reason that this is important is because whenever you experience genuine, authentic repentance, there is a change in your emotion concerning who God is as well as concerning what sin is in your life. So emotively, you are transformed at the heart when you experience genuine repentance and faith. And this change is wrought about in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit actually changes your heart. And the things that you used to value, you no longer do. And the things that uh, you used to value, you sit to the side. And now Jesus Christ is your top priority. So there's a change of the, y'all follow me, all right? Change of the what? This is when y'all participate and use your hands, all right? A change of the mind, don't make me come get y'all. I will come out there. I will come out there and get you. Uh, You know I'm looking at you. There you go. God bless you. A change of the mind, and it's then a change of the heart, and then we go, it is a change of the feet. All right? Now, this is huge. All right? That means it is a change in your uh, walking. You used to walk in the opposite direction of Jesus, but as soon as you come to faith in Him through repentance, then you begin to follow hard after the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that is authentic repentance. Change of mind, change of heart, change of feet. But what we're finding is that authentic repentance in the Scripture is where everything actually changes in a person's life. You know, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a brand new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So if you have genuinely repented of your sin and placed your faith in Jesus Christ, that is the moment that your life radically changes. And there's such a change in your life that it is evidence in you because God, by His Spirit, begins to change your desires. He gives you a new heart. He gives you new desires. So now you, as a follower of Jesus, desire the glory of God. You also desire the Word of God. And then you desire to be a part of the work of God. So my question to you this morning who are listening is have you experienced that kind of change? Now if you've never experienced that kind of change, it doesn't matter if you raised your hand a moment ago or not. Because God brings about a change in your life which radically transforms your way of thinking, your way of feeling, and your way of living. 
Authentic repentance is essential to the gospel. You and I have to share this when sharing Jesus with people. You must repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, last week, y'all remember, uh, you who are here, we actually spent time looking at the rich young ruler. Now, I totally forgot. Did he repent? I'm asking y'all. Y'all pretend you remember the sermon, all right? Did the rich young ruler repent? No, he did not. In fact, we found that the rich young ruler would not admit that he was a sinner. We also found that the rich young ruler went away sad. That is, he went away having been burdened over his sin, but not to a point of repentance. In fact, we know in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 that that is called worldly sorrow. So he felt bad about the fact he got caught in his sin, but he did not experience godly sorrow, which leads to repentance, which leads to salvation. So he is the example of what authentic repentance is not. Now what you and I need is an example of what authentic repentance actually is. And that's what we're going to focus on this morning as we look at the life of Zacchaeus. So if you've got a Bible, say yes. And open to Luke's Gospel chapter 19 this morning as we look together at the life of Zacchaeus. Awesome story. Luke chapter 19 beginning in verse 1. So let's stand with me now in God's Word if you will. Luke chapter 19 beginning in verse 1. Notice what the Scripture says. Speaking of Jesus, he entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. He was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he is about to pass through that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Father, thank you for your word. Place it into our hearts and we'll give you glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So you can be seated. Now, what is our culture like? Now, it's pretty interesting because uh, I've, I've tried to study this, right, and figure out how best to describe our culture. And I guess the best way... Uh, to describe the culture in which you and I are called to be missionaries is to call our culture uh, cultural Christianity. All right, cultural Christianity. Uh, By this, a couple of things that I mean. We've got these up on the slide, so y'all press that space bar. Cultural Christianity does not deny Jesus. It just hasn't been transformed by him. See that? Cultural Christianity does not deny Jesus. It just hasn't been transformed by him. Now, second truth about cultural Christianity is a belief that if you just live a good life, God will be pleased. That's cultural Christianity. Now, nothing can be further from the truth. We know according to Scripture that we have all sinned and fallen short of God's holy standard. So like nobody is good enough to impress the Lord. So as you and I begin to follow and journey with Jesus through Luke's Gospel in chapter 19, what we're going to begin to do is actually discover what a genuine repentant heart looks like. 
So let's talk about Zacchaeus for a moment. What do we know about him? Look in chapter 19 and verse 2. The Bible says there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. Check it out. He was a chief tax collector. Now, we've studied the gospel so far. We've realized that uh, people in Jewish culture were not big fans of tax collectors. Uh, Just like we're not fans of them today. Can I get a witness on that, right? All right, I got you all on that one, didn't I? It's like I didn't have you till then. It's pretty amazing, though. They basically were traitors to their own people. So they were Jewish individuals themselves, and what they did is they turned their back on their people and went into business with the Roman government. And then as a cohort with the Roman government, they went around and collected taxes from their own people. But what is wild is that tax collectors were vehemently hated, not only because they you know, linked arms with an oppressive Roman government, but they were really hated because they would take advantage of people and extort them for money. Matter of fact, this was a very common practice in the life of tax collectors. We find that John the Baptist actually ran into some tax collectors when he was preaching one day. Which, by the way, if you want to see an awesome preacher of the gospel, you ought to read the life of John the Baptist. He didn't give a rip. Y'all listen to what I'm saying? This fella was a strong man of God. He ate wild honey and locusts for breakfast, all right? It was him. Camel, he wore it as a vest, all right? Y'all listening? You got, you, in order to wear a camel's vest, you've got to kill a camel. All right? Killed him on Wednesday. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I said that last service, and I'm like, I'm doing that again. That was hilarious. Hump day for all of you folks. Camels have humps. All right. But anyway, so John the Baptist was a bold preacher of Jesus Christ. And he was preaching repentance. Well, some tax collectors actually came to him. And they said, hey, John, baptize us. So John the Baptist was like, no, I'm not going to baptize you. And they said, well, why won't, you, why won't you baptize us? We want to be baptized. And then he says it to this way in Luke's Gospel, chapter 3, and verse 14. He says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Now, very important for you and I to understand that John is not preaching a works-based salvation. He's not saying go out and bear fruits which are in repentance so that you can be saved. Now, some of you may be like, well, what kind of fruits? That's the same thing the tax collector said. Hey, well, what do you mean, uh, John? Tell us what you're talking about. So then John says, quit taking more money than you ought to take. So he commands them, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. So not so, now listen, here's where it's it's key. Not so that you can earn the favor of God, but the reason that you should no longer take more than what you are commanded is because you have received the favor of God. So it's not a works-based salvation. It is saying because you are saved, there should be a change. And isn't that true? Repentance should bring about a changed life. If there's no change in your life, there is no Christ in your life. So here we have Zacchaeus, all right? He's a rich guy, and uh, he's a tax collector, uh, vehemently hated. In fact, he was uh, one of these individuals who would have been well-known in the community because of what he did. I found it extremely interesting what Zacchaeus' name actually means. All right? His name actually means innocent or righteous. Now, isn't that like backwards? Now, it, now can, can we all be the Jewish community for just a moment? Let's see Zach, uh, Zach coming to us, all right? Zacchaeus. Here he comes. Here's what I would say to y'all. Here comes Mr. Righteous to grab our money again. Y'all see the sarcasm? And then as he leaves, there goes Mr. Innocent taking away our paycheck. So isn't that interesting what his name means? 
So can I tell you this just for free? His parents gave him that name. Are y'all listening? Say yes. Can I tell you this morning? It does not matter what other people call you. It only matters how God sees you that makes the difference. So we would see him and it would be like, here comes Mr. Righteous. But he wasn't righteous. Somebody may point at you and say, of course you're a Christian. Doesn't make you a Christian. Doesn't matter what people call you. It matters how God sees you. That's the difference. So Zacchaeus, his chief tax collector, the Bible says he is rich. Now it's pretty cool, right? Last Sunday, we looked at another rich guy, rich young ruler. Now we've got another rich man, and his name's Zacchaeus. And we see that. I mean, it's pretty uh, obvious here, chapter 19 and verse 2. Y'all looking at it here? He says he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. All right? Just so I can kind of give you an example of uh, Zacchaeus' life. I thought about the best way to try to explain it. Now, I don't know if this is, but I'll try it. Y'all listening? So here we go. Think for a moment about Zacchaeus. Pretend that he has like four buckets that he's carrying around all the time. Y'all with me, yeah? So he's got four buckets. One of the buckets on the outside of it says notoriety and popularity. And if you were to look inside of that bucket, you would find that his notoriety and his popularity was brimming over the bucket. He was slam full in that category. Everybody knew who Zacchaeus was. They all saw him coming and they knew him by name. So he's got this one bucket of notoriety. And then a second bucket would be a bucket of power. And if we were to look at that bucket, it would also be overflowing because he indeed had great power. If he told a Jewish brother or sister what to do in the community, they had to obey or else he would have told on them to the Roman government and those people would have been beaten. And so there's no doubt he had all of this great power. So people actually feared Zacchaeus. But then there'd be a third bucket. That would kind of be the bucket of cash. All right? That bucket is overflowing as well. He had more money than he knew what to do with because he was stealing it from everybody. So he was filthy rich. All right? But there's a fourth bucket. Nobody ever sees the fourth bucket except for you. The fourth bucket is the bucket of peace with God. Now, the other three buckets kind of, they, they kind of circle that fourth bucket, and that's why nobody can actually see the fourth bucket. But if you were to look at the fourth bucket in the life of Zacchaeus, you would find that it was absolutely empty. Nothing in it. But from the outside, looking at Zacchaeus, he seemed to have everything going on. He's filthy rich. Everybody knows him. He has great power. In the community. It's almost like some people would aspire to be like Zacchaeus. But that fourth bucket nagged him. The fourth bucket nagged him because he realized the other three buckets could not do anything to satisfy his life. Something was missing. And that's what we find happening. Look in Zacchaeus for a moment, if you will. Uh, Let's check it out there in verse 3. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. Now, very quickly, small in stature, what does that mean? It just means short. Are y'all listening? So you got to picture a short, rich man who is extremely cocky. But all of a sudden he sees something, something's missing. Maybe this, uh, are y'all listening, y'all listening? Look at Maybe this Jesus can help me find out what's missing. So check out what he does. 
He runs. And the Bible says in verse 4, I like this. He climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus. Now, look at the preacher for a second. I don't know much about the sycamore tree, but here's what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Its branches were low to the ground. Because he was short. It had to be low to the ground. All right. Please laugh at me. That was hysterical. I thought about that all week long. And I said, that's going to bring them in, man. It's going to bring them in. It didn't. Not one service. But anyway, so uh, here we have him. He's running to a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. Now, here, here is what is interesting about climbing up in a tree and running to that tree. Uh, you will find, whenever you study Eastern culture, first of all, that men were not seen running. And the reason they weren't seen running is because they were considered dignified. Right? And to run was to be undignified. Now, you will multiply that concept when it comes to a dignitary like Zacchaeus. But here we have this short man running as fast as he can in front of the crowd so that he climbs up in this tree all so that he can witness the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if you climb trees anymore, but I used to. When did you climb trees? How old were you when you climbed trees? Just shout it out real fast. Yeah, 14, you were too old, all right? But anyway, anyway <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. I, I remember when I was a... What did you say, 74? Uh, God bless you. Yes, you still climb trees. You are a monkey, all right? So uh, evolution, I'm reconsidering, all right? Just kidding. But here's the deal. I climbed trees when I was a little kid, right? I went to my grandparents' house and loved to climb trees, man. I mean, they just had them right up there, those magnolia trees, those branches low to the ground. We climb as high as we can to kind of try to frighten our parents and act like we were falling. It's pretty, pretty fun. You climb a tree when you're a child. This grown man runs in front of everybody, climbs up this tree like a little kid. Are y'all with me, say yeah? Jesus said it only one chapter ago. If you want to come into the kingdom, you've got to become like a child. And what a phenomenal concept here. Now he is running to get up into that tree just to see Jesus. So curious about who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And there he goes. Now, now we're going to see some authentic repentance. Y'all ready to see it? Yeah? And what we'll find here in the life of Zacchaeus is how he actually expresses real deal authentic repentance. Now, in order for me to kind of uh, share this with you this morning, I want to give you an analogy, all right? I want to tell you about the first uh, pickup truck that I ever had. Right? First truck I ever had was an S10 pickup truck. Y'all remember these? 1989 S10. It was Fireball Cherry Awesome Red. All right? Y'all listening? I look slick in that thing. I had the windows tinted and everything. All right? Turned the base up. Can I get a witness on that? Used to armor all the tires and armor all the steering wheel and armor all the seat because it was made of that awesome stuff called vinyl. All right? And it was one bitch seat. It's amazing, though. I didn't realize when I armor all all what would actually happen. When I went to turn left, it was like this. You know what I mean? And then when it finally turned, I slipped over to the other side. You, you get me? That was a picture of me driving as a 16. But what I loved about the S10 is that it was a, uh, it was a straight shift pickup truck, right? So five speed. My daddy tried to teach me how to drive it. He was in the vehicle with me for about five minutes. And he said, get out. All right? 
Have you ever tried to drive a straight shift? It's wild. Because you pop the clutch, you figure out real quick what that S10 will do, all right? If you don't do it right, it will buck all over the place. And that's all it did. Just went back and forth. Er, er, er. And my dad was raging lunatic, all right, about the thing. He was so mad at me. But he got out. And what's amazing is that same day, he gave me the keys and said, Here, son, drive to basketball practice. <laughs> You're you either real bold or you just don't love me at all. You know what I'm saying? So I got in the S10 and uh, took me like 20 minutes to get out of the neighborhood and then took me another 20 to get to school. And the distance was really only about five minutes. Y'all listening? And uh, I remember uh, driving to a red light and it was on a hill. And all I could do was say, dear Lord Jesus, please turn that red light green before I have to stop. Because you know what happens on a hill if you've driven one, right? The Lord answered my prayer. But you change the gears. Now, Zacchaeus, he's about to get into the truck of repentance. Now, in this truck, there really are only three gears that you can shift to. So we're going to see the three gears this morning of what driving in authentic repentance actually looks like. So are you all ready for them? Yes? Here we go. Here's the very first shift that you have to make. It is a shift in your focus. It's a shift in your focus. Look with me, if you will, in chapter 19, and let's begin looking at verse 8. The Bible says, Zacchaeus stopped. This, by the way, is when Jesus told him to come down. He's like, I'm coming to your house. And then the Bible says, Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord. All right, now stop there. Do you all see that term? Lord. It is a massive term. This term, Lord, literally means to be master or ruler over someone. Now, this is a massive statement by Zacchaeus. And the reason that we see this as a shift in focus is because he is, check it out, experiencing repentance first in his mind. He's changing his mind about who he is in relation to who Jesus is. So before the Lord Jesus Christ entered Zacchaeus' life, he had it going on. He called his own shots. He was the boss, he was the Lord, he was the master. He had all the power, all the popularity, all of the money, everyone else listened to him. He was ruler and master of his own life. But like I said, something was missing. And then he met Jesus. The first things out of his mouth are, Behold, Lord. He saw Jesus Christ now as master of his life. It was a mental shift that took place in his thinking. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, John Mayer, but John Mayer is actually a uh, musician and singer. And John Mayer, uh, I I had a CD of his back in the day, right? So one of his first ones that ever came out, I remember listening to that CD, and he had a song in it called Something is Missing. Now, I listened to the song, right? And it said, something is missing, and I do not know what it is. Now, what's amazing about the song is that he began to almost, it's almost like he was looking at a checklist of all the things that he had as he was singing. So so here's how the song went. I'm not going to sing. I'm just going to give it to you. But he said, something is missing, and I don't know what it is. And then here's the checklist. Money, check. This is literally what the song says. Girlfriend, Check. Guitar. Check. And it continues to go down. Check. Check. And then it comes right back around to the chorus. But something is missing and I don't know what it is. John Mayer 
like Zacchaeus, from the outside looking in, has popularity, has money, has power, and yet that inside bucket that only he and God sees is empty. Zacchaeus realized it and experienced the first shift in the truck of repentance, and that is a shift in focus. Hey, listen, can I ask you a question? Have you seen Jesus as Lord in your life? Do you mentally think that you are calling all of the shots in your life? Like you're in control and you're the master and you're the Lord over your own existence? Or have you realized something was missing? Have you sensed that the bucket was empty? And have you looked at the Lord Jesus Christ and said, Behold, Lord. Mental shift. Intellectually, we see our sin as dreadfully sinful. And we see the Lord Jesus as master over our life. All right, so now we, we, we learned it at the beginning of the message, right? It's not only a mental shift. Anybody know the second part where it happens? Yeah, in our hearts. All right, so it's an emotive shift. It is a change in our emotions. And we're going to see this second shift, which we'll call a shift not only in our focus, but a shift in our values. And this is huge, right? So look again at verse 8. He says, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. Let's stop there for a moment. What is he doing? Now, I read this, and I'm like, he's about to give half everything he owns to poor people. Why in the world is he doing such a thing? Here's the reason why. Are y'all listening? Say yes. This is what happened, all right? He saw Jesus, and all of a sudden, the things in his life that he used to with his own heart value, he realized how worthless they were in comparison to the Lord Jesus. So his values shifted. So all of a sudden, those three buckets that everybody else can see, he realized those buckets meant nothing. He needed Jesus to change him on the inside and fill up that bucket of peace with God. Now look at the preacher. Y'all know who Jesus is? He's the Prince of Peace. And so the Lord Jesus begins to fill up his bucket and immediately he's like, I'm going to give half of everything I owe to the poor. That is a changed man emotionally. Right? There's a change there. Hey, hey, listen. What do you value? What do you consider to really be of value and worth in your life? Uh, hey, let me ask it to you like this. If you had your three buckets up here in front of everybody, what would they say on the outside of them? Would they say money, like Zacchaeus? Would they say job? Would they say career? Would they say relationship? Would they say school? Would they have all of these things out here that you're hoping somehow these three buckets are going to fill up this fourth bucket? If you would get gut level honest before God and yourself this morning, you would realize it doesn't matter what you put in those three buckets. They will never satisfy the end bucket. What do you value? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you should be able to say above, listen, above all things in life, I value Jesus. That was, uh, by the way, Paul the Apostle's deal in Philippians chapter 3. Are y'all listening say yes? In Philippians chapter 3, you know what the bucket said in Paul's life? Religion. 
Paul's like, you know, and he brags on himself. He's like, here's the buckets, man. If you had to line them all up, it's like, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm a Jew of Jews. I'm a Pharisee as to the law. I've been circumcised on the eighth day. So he's got all of these things in his life, these rituals, these routines, these uh, ideas of religion. And then he says this, but when I compare these buckets with the reality of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord, these buckets look like cow dung. That's a strong picture, isn't it? What do you value in life? What do you consider to be of worth? And then let me ask you very quickly. Are you trying to take one of those buckets and somehow fill up the bucket God gave you on the inside? It'll never work. Genuine repentance is a Mental change, a shift in your focus. Genuine, authentic repentance is a heart change, changing your values. And then thirdly, we're still in that truck of repentance. It will be a shift into the gear of determination. I love this, all right? Uh, Check out your Bible for just a moment. Again, in chapter 19 and verse 8, he says, I will give to the poor, and then look at the back half, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back... Four times as much. Do y'all see that yet? That is a strong statement, isn't it? Here's Zacchaeus is. Now he's like, if I have defrauded anyone, which means if I've taken advantage, if I have extorted people of money, I'm going to pay them back four times. What has happened to Zacchaeus, right? Why is all of a sudden he changed his feet? Can I give y'all a picture of the feet being changed, all right? Did I ask y'all a question? Can I give y'all a picture of that? Here, Here it is, here it is, here it is. You gotta imagine, all right? Um, Zacchaeus was a, a a short man prior to Jesus, very arrogant, very pompous. Uh, walked around probably with a little cash hanging out of his pocket, all right? Walked around with his head in the air, and he would come up to you or I in the Jewish culture, and he would say, "And I'm gonna give you English money because that's the only ones I know." Y'all with me? But he would say, twenty dollars right now." So we would begin to pull our wallets out and issue $20 to him. Ten he would take to give to the Romans. Ten he would put in his own pocket. But all of a sudden, this man Zacchaeus met Jesus. And now this day we see him coming again. And here he comes walking down the way and we're thinking, oh my goodness, where's my wallet? He's coming to get some taxes. He's coming to take advantage of us. Honey, hide some of that stuff. Honey, go tell your son what's happening. Here's the deal. And then Zacchaeus comes. His head's not hanging high in the air. It's actually looking down. He doesn't have a scowl on his face any longer. He's actually got a big grin. And he comes up and we look at him and say, Zacchaeus, what do you need? He says, oh, don't be afraid, my man. I've been changed. I don't need anything from you. What I've come to do, and he pulls out his own wallet and says, I've come to pay back four times what I took advantage of you. And we'd be like, Zacchaeus, what has happened? Are you loony? Zacchaeus would say, no, I met Jesus. I saw him as Lord. I value him more than anything else. And now I want to make it right in everything that I do. That's authentic repentance. It's changed. Jesus says it, right? Salvation's come to this man's house. He is a son of Abraham. Abraham, by the way, is the father of the faith. So whenever he placed his faith in Jesus, he was born again, brought into the family, and then Jesus says it, his mission statement. 
I have come to do what? Seek and save that which was lost. Now I want you to look at me eyeball to eyeball. I'm about to close this puppy down. So look at me real quick, all right? Look at Are y'all listening, yeah? Huge question for you. Have you experienced authentic repentance and faith? Where your life has been changed. Not reformed behavior, transformed behavior. What's the difference? Reformed is something you do. Hey, if you join the military, they will reform your behavior. Are y'all listening? Any of y'all military folks out there? They will reform how you live. Jesus transforms you on the inside. Right here, right here, right here. And some of you have got your buckets, and they are not satisfying in life. And Jesus is like, I am the Prince of Peace and I want to fill your empty bucket to overflowing. And I love that, right? Eternal life, what is it described as? It's described as a spring of waters that never cease. That can be yours. God created you to know Him. Sin separates you from God. If you hold on to your sin, you'll spend eternity in hell forever. But God said, I want you to be forgiven so he made a way for you to be forgiven jesus came lived a sinless life and went to the cross and bore your punishment in his body he was buried and resurrected and now if you repent of your sin place your faith in jesus trusting in him that repentance and faith changes your mind changes your heart changes your feet he will radically change your life why would you walk out of here with an empty bucket when jesus has the pitcher in his hand Amen? Amen. We've got to share this gospel with people. None of this easy believism stuff. Repent, faith. Share that. Let's bow. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to hearts even now. Hey, your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, nobody's looking around.